Welcome everyone to Be Better Betters. I'm the host, Spanky. Thanks for listening. This week, I'm doing a Q&A. I put up a post yesterday on Twitter, inviting people to ask questions. Did this a year ago almost, last December. Got some pretty good feedback, and a lot of people enjoyed it. Um, takes a lot of work because I go through every single question, but I figured why not? Um, a lot of people have questions, a lot of people try to message me, and I just can't get to everybody's question, and it's better to kind of do it maybe in a public setting, because somebody might be thinking the same question, and then ten others might be thinking the same question, so everybody gets their answer pretty much. Before I begin, uh, you know, I just want to make sure everybody's clear that my responses and my answers to these questions are uh, just my opinion on how I think, you know, on how I operate. By no means uh, is my opinion fact, is my opinion the only way to go about doing things. Um, You know, I have 20 years plus experience. Um, I've been doing this professionally, this is my primary source of income, and, you know, I live, breathe, and eat this shit, so, uh, do I know what I'm talking about? Yeah, but there's so many ways to skin a cat, so, this is how I think, you know, this is my input to it, so, um, will people disagree with anything I have to say? Absolutely. Um, you know, am I gonna, am I gonna say some things that are wrong, um, in other people's minds? Yeah, sure. I might even say things that are wrong, period. Uh, you know, I just want to put that disclaimer out there. This is how I see the world and how I operate. So, by no means, you know, am I a know-it-all? Absolutely not. I know everything about nothing and nothing about everything. Um, but, it's, um, it's something that, you know, that I think that if, if somebody could, if I could spark a little bit of a idea in someone's head, then that's good for everybody. Alright, let's start. I'm gonna, I don't even know what order these are in, I'm just gonna read them as they come. We had a couple of retweets, I'm gonna try to go to all three, all these threads, and we'll try to bang them out. Okay, here we go. Seal Picks, at Pick Seal. Is there ever games you will bet close to tip slash kickoff, etc., or is the spread total always efficient right before the game starts? Yeah, you know... Um, it's very efficient right before the game starts. So you kind of want to avoid doing your betting right before the tip-off or the kickoff. That, that, in general, that's probably the best way. Um, on, the, on, the, on the other side of that coin is, you know, the line is the weakest usually at the opener. So when the line opens up, um, whether that be overnight or whether that be the Sunday before for college football or NFL or anything, um, those are the times when the line is usually the weakest. So, yeah, yeah that's a great... Um, uh, mindset to have to, because you know how could you beat the closing line if you're betting if you're you know betting the closing line. Okay, Brian Mollett, uh, Brian Mollett, would your business survive if PPH slash credit accounts were completely eliminated from the market? Um, probably not. I I um you know I rely on anonymity, um to get down. It's very few bookmakers and you know today book me directly. So I need that PPH slash credit market because people don't know who I am and I'm able to bet anonymously. Um, that's just part of it. I wish we were, we had a more regulated environment and a sustainable environment uh, for uh, 
professional sports bettors to be welcome, but that's unfortunately not the case, Brian. WG35 at YGreat35. What is your most memorable loss and win? Oh, man. <clears throat> Honestly, WG, it's all it's all a blur, man. You know what I mean? I, there's nothing memorable. You do this shit inside out every freaking day for all this time. Nothing sticks out, man. It's just, you know what it is? It's just, and, and you kind of, I don't know if I trick my mind for nothing to stick out. Um, if somebody told me, hey, remember this, when that happened, Chinese Mike said, remember when this happened, remember when that happened, yeah, it'll, 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 I'll go back into the Rolodex and say, oh, yeah, but for me to say what was the memorable loss and win, when you're betting, you know, millions of dollars all the time, and then, you know, billions throughout the course of, of, of my career, there's no such thing as, as the, 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 the most memorable loss and win, so I'm sorry, man, I can't answer that, WG. Next, it's J Bucks at J Bucks thirteen. Define "quote unquote" value and how to find it. Well, for me, J Bucks value is to try to be able to beat the closing line. So you want to try to find the line that's five when the line, you know, in, in one sports book when it's painted seven. Value is trying to find an off number, a number, uh, or value is trying to find the painted number that, in anticipation of it being moving in the future so if you have an injury information or if you know that a syndicate is going to be playing this or if you know anticipate line movement that's where you find value both of those converge to trying to beat the closing line so that's what all the value is for me beating the closing line you make money long term mando skywalker teddy west something what is this teddy west side what is your average points given for home field in the nfl right now how different is it from five years ago well that's a question i can't really answer man though because this is um, a question that somebody a, a model or a handicapper would make so that's not a. that's not something i i can uh, chime in on unfortunately next wg35 again coming back trying to double dip what sport do you avoid betting i wouldn't avoid betting anything really but what sports do we really not make money on or it's tough to beat? Probably hockey. You know, that, that's something that lines, you know, just, it just we, we just tried it for years and years and it's just nothing not, nothing to write home about. Um, so um, we kind of stay away from hockey for the most part. We also don't do soccer, and soccer is very beatable by some of the biggest syndicates in the world. It's just that our plate is so full. Lines are usually moving 3, 4 a.m. Eastern time, you know, and, you know, my guys, I don't have a 24-hour staff at this time. So it's just um, we just don't have the personnel to, to handle the soccer as much as we want to. But um, those are the two ones that we kind of don't do. Next, Ian Walford at Walford Ian. And there's two questions here. Again, a two-for-one. Number one, what percentage of your bets actually end up being the closing line? Uh, roughly, Ian, definitely over 80, probably closer to 90, I would say, percent. Number two, do you fear your increased visibility in the market will erode your edge? Um, yeah, absolutely. But my visibility, again, is um, is unknown for the most part because most of the betting I do is in the offshore world, is in a paperhead credit world where uh, there are no names attached to the accounts. Um, again, like I said before, for me personally, to, to be able to bet into a bookmaker direct, um, they're few and far in between. Tom at Cavatom. 
On the podcast with Taiga, he mentioned having a philosophical difference with one of his partners on taking a side versus always trying to middle. What are your thoughts on that? Will you ever give a bookie a heads up if you see a line that is clearly bad? And if so, when? Will you ask for anything in return for the heads up, like a chance to max bet the bad number? Will doing this help you stay alive longer with the bookie? Alright, Tom, there's a lot to dissect here. Um, <coughs> people that like the middle, listen, I love middling, but at the same time, I'm trying to beat the closing line on both sides of my middle, um, so that's very important. You want to try to beat the closing line. If you're going to middle the game, and if you're going to lay 5 and take 8, but the game closes 8, that's not good. You lay 5, take 8, game closes 7, that's good on both ends, right? So that's what you want to do. But plus, some people like to middle to be risk-averse, and some people like to be able to uh, uh, limit their exposure to their bankroll. Nothing wrong with that. Um, that's how I grew my bankroll for years and years. So um, every, it, it, it's, it's to each his own. Now, let's talk about this uh, a clearly bad line here. Yeah, I definitely would always tell a bookmaker if they have a bad line. But will I ever will I ever ask him for a chance to max bet it? Absolutely not. Um, you know what I mean? That's like that's insane. Like if a bookmaker has an 18 point favorite and um, listed as an 18 point dog, it's flip flopped. I'm never gonna say, hey buddy, you know you, you got the flip flop favorite and dog here. By the way, can I get plus 18 for the max? You know what I mean? I, that's that's trying to rob the guy. Um, I'm better off not saying anything, never even making the initial phone call. I would never ask that. So no, if the guy, if it's, it's an egregious mistake, if it's obvious error, um, that it just, you know, whatever it was, if it just, you know, it just, you, it's pretty obvious, then no, you just tell him and that's it. You know, you're done. Now, if I say, hey, listen, Lakers are playing the Knicks and, you know, Lakers are five-point favorites and I say, listen, I don't think LeBron's playing, um, you know, just want to let you know, can I get the Knicks plus five for the limit? Oh, yeah, sure, absolutely. No problem. That's, that's, you'll definitely do that. And then, you know, you give him the bet, and then, you know, he'll be able to move the line accordingly. So that's not an offline or a bad line. That's just giving him a heads up. And he will definitely, um, I'll definitely, it's, it's pretty obvious, you know, I'm not, usually, I, you know, in case the bookmaker ever says no, we usually bet first and, uh, and then tell him, hey, listen, by the way, LeBron's out. That, you know, that, and, and that works too. But um, but either one, um, I think would be fine. You know, if you have a good relationship with a bookmaker, um, you could always let him know first and then bet versus um, bet first and let him know. But, you know, in this day and age, it's, it's usually, um, you know, uh, it's usually bet first. All right, let's move on. Seal picks coming back at pick seal. Is this the real seal, by the way? I don't know. How can you notice fake outs, quote unquote fake outs, when it comes to line movement? For example, when the line initially moves one way, then moves the other way aggressively. Seal, this is um this I don't think this is the real seal because Seal would know the answer to this. This is this is um something that takes history. It's it's just, you gotta be in front uh, of a odd screen, you have to live, breathe, and eat this shit for so long. That's an experience thing. This is not easy to do, um, and it takes experience. Um, so I'd be lying to you if I told you that I could just teach somebody, um, you know, how to do it, and and in a podcast episode, or even in a weekly session. You know, if I'm whenever I train my guys, whenever. 
you know, the teachable moments, you don't know when they're going to come. But when they do come, you say, all right, watch what happened here. Look at this. Okay, does this make sense? And then you say something. Like, for example, um, lines painted four and a half, couple of fives out there. All of a sudden, some major sports books are moving to four and a half to four. Now, if somebody's going to be betting a dog in that game, it would be pretty it would make sense to take the fives out first before taking out the four and a halves. So why would somebody take out the four and a halves when there's obvious fives out there? Now, I'm not talking about a five at William Hill, or I'm talking about a five at, you know, the Atlantis and the Bahamas. I'm talking about a real joint that has the five. You know, so these are the questions you got to ask yourself. Does it? Is this logical? Does this make sense? Um, <clears throat> and try to piece together um, what's happening here. So that's just a sm small example. Um, you know, nothing. It's not rocket science. You just got to see if that makes sense, and that's kind of how you get good at it. Rather be betting podcast. All right. Is your average bet size over five figures? Yes. Jason Pimkin at J-I-P-Kin. Feel free to skip if this is too prosaic, but where can a fella go to buy slash acquire line history data? I.e., if I wanted to study the movement of every money line a book had and ever posted on games from a given sport from open to close. Oh, man, you know, Don Best has a pretty good line history database that they've maintained for years and years. I don't know how good it is anymore, but they've always had a good one. I initially bought all my line history for a guy named Andy Escoe, TheLogicalApproach.com. I've mentioned this on other episodes. The website looks exactly the same as it did in 1998. Um, TheLogicalApproach.com. That's where I bought mine. Um, I think there's a lot of out there, and I think it's a lot of it that's free. So, um... You know, um, I got maybe I, that, that's a question I probably could ask um, one of my guys that that looks at hit line history and stuff. That uh, I'll find out where he gets it from. But those are the two I think that that are probably the best. Cristiano Ronaldo at Cristiano Ronaldo seventeen. Yo, Spanks, what's up? Hope you are well. Thanks, buddy. I have started getting limited at the recreational, legal, and offshore books. How can I find beards or reliable PPH accounts so I can keep betting? Thanks. <laughs> you know, Ronaldo, that's that's the question. That's the holy that's like asking Indiana Jones, where's the Holy Grail? I um I, I honestly, you know, you gotta make yourself available, Ronaldo. Like there's no you can't put an ad up and and, and say, um, hey, you know, I'm looking for outs. It's you know, although that's what I've done on my Twitter thing, but um, you know, the way I've done it, the way I've grown my business before any social media or whatever, is I just did it organically, is which the people that, you know, you start getting into outs, you start beating them. When they kick you out and they pay you, you say, listen, instead of being adversaries, let's become allies. Let's become partners. Get me some accounts and we'll be able to earn together. And that's how I grew. So I've had a lot of bookmakers, bookmakers that became my betting partners, and then they would try to beat up the other bookmakers, particularly in the Asian community. Asian bookmakers love beating other Asian bookmakers. I think every bookmaker kind of, you know, there's some camaraderie there, but I think Asian bookmakers, for some reason, really love beating each other up. So um, I've noticed that. Um, but yeah, that's how you do it. You just do it organically, just to try to just build your reputation. If you keep winning, tell the guy, hey, listen. 
there's plenty more where that came from. Instead of paying me, how about we collect together and earn together? That's probably the best way. All right, Leonardo Orga Leonardo Organtini at Magically Two Zero or Two O. Where to start in order to get really good at handicapping? Leonardo, I have no idea. I'm not a handicapper. The closest thing I ever get to handicap is um, probably the fifth spot in the supermarket. I don't know. Um, this is not what I do. I use a top-down approach. In case somebody's new to the podcast, the top-down approach is I'm looking at different line movements, line discrepancies, trying to find a missing piece of a puzzle, assuming that the line is efficient. Bottom-up approach, which I'm not, which I don't do, is um, for a guy to make a line from scratch, read about statistics and data and all this stuff, and um, and then he'll make a line compared to the market line. If there's enough of a discrepancy, he'll be able to execute a bet that way. That's not what I do. All right, Jim. At Jim one six six five one seven three one. When betting NFL sides, specifically underdogs, getting one or two points, is it better bet the money line instead of the spread? Everything depends, Jim. You know, um, uh, would I rather take a plus one or a minus one ten or a plus one oh five? You know. I'd rather take the plus 105. You know, there's there's just, you got to know what every half a point is worth. Um, so, um, you know, and, and there's different charts. Uh, my friends at Unabated um, have a, a comparison tool uh, that's pretty good. So you could use that. But you got to know what every half a point is worth. Sportsbook Review also had one, but they're kind of outdated. <coughs> but the NFL 1 and 2, those, those that value really hasn't moved that much. So, um, you know, you got to just compare it. There's always a way to do it. Um, you know, the minus 3, minus 110 is equivalent to about minus 55-ish. And I kind of work off the math mentally from that. But that's kind of the best way to do it, Jim. Okay, Cody Sale at Sale Cody. Can you be profitable better by finding line discrepancies between sports books, which result in being the pinnacle closing line by more than the VIG? For example, you bet a game on DraftKings minus five, minus one ten, and Pinnacle closes minus five, minus one eighty, minus one sixty. Yes, Cody, that's exactly what I do, and yes, you can be profitable. Next, THH, the hockey hedge. For a top-down approach, do you find it easy to handicap point spreads versus money line sports? Again, I don't handicap, um, but do I find it easier to earn? With point spreads versus money lines, I do. I think point spreads are easier to beat because I think a lot of times the bookmaker doesn't know how much to move. There's an art to doing so. I think money lines is a little bit more straightforward. Um, but I think point spreads, um, you know, there's sometimes they undermove, sometimes they overmove. So I think you could find ways to um, to uh, capitalize. At Galermo Salazar, at Guillermo Salazar. Have any stories about betting on the World Cup, soccer? I can imagine some big-time money flowing during that time every four years. Does this four-year rotation have any effect of the difficulty level of spotting sharp line movement? Thanks, you're the man. Thanks, Guillermo, you're the man. Um, I don't really have any stories, you know. Soccer, I know that first couple of rounds, it's pretty good because... You know, even though soccer, you know, handicapping soccer, you think it's just so many games, but when you have, like, Japan playing the U.S. or Japan playing, you know, Algeria or some shit like that, 
it, you know, there's just some line movement there, um, and it's pretty significant. So we've noticed that, you know, um, and usually on these, like, you know, the English Premier League and stuff, it's not as much as, as you know, because it's pretty obvious. Like, you know, the, the modelers, they have the guys that are making the numbers, it's, it's, it's pretty close to what the market should be. But on some of these crazy-ass teams um, that will never face each other ever, you know what I mean? I think that there's, um, you know, guys have information, guys know how to model that correctly. And, um, and I think they do a lot better job than what the sports books are hanging. And I think that um, there's definitely, definitely money to be made, yes, in the World Cup. Particularly when, you know, the teams are first playing, you know, that first couple of rounds. Dave at Davey Day Gambler. Hi, Spanky. I know you have said you built your bots so you could get down on multiple outs. But, if there is, but is there a way to acquire a bot software if I'm not good enough programming to build one myself? Does anyone sell that kind of tool? Best of luck. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, there's a couple of guys out there. I, I don't know who it is, but a couple of guys reached out to me. They're definitely out there. Um, anybody listening to this podcast, I'm sure the bot guys listen to this, respond to my man Dave. He's, you know, you got a customer. Okay, Spencer Kemp at Milkshake4590. Do you find when you bet a middle, one side of the short book and one of the soft, that you typically just win on the soft book? Honestly, Spencer Kemp, that's a funny thing you say that because it's, um, <laughs> theoretically that's supposed to happen, right? You're supposed to, you know, and a lot of people that don't like middling would say, why, why not just bet at the soft book? You're just giving all the money back betting at the, at the, uh, at the sharp book. Um, <coughs> I tend to disagree as long as you're beating the closing line at the sharp book. Um, and that's the key, you know. If you beat the closing line at the sharp book, you're still making money. And um, so always just keep that in mind. Don't think about sharp and soft. Even the sharpest of the sharp books overmove their lines, um, and then you could find um, value in that overmovement. Because, you know, the worst thing, the worst type of better is not the guy that's, you know, getting the peak and, 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 and the, val- the valley and, and the peak and, and, uh, of the line movement. The guy that's in the middle. You know what I mean? Line goes from five to eight, um, and then closes seven. The guy that's laying the seven, you know what I mean? Thinking, oh man, look, the sharps laid the five. I'm gonna lay the seven, uh, and then that'll cause if there's enough of that, that might cause um, the bookmaker to go to seven and a half eight, and then like, well, wait a minute, another sharp group saying, no, 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 that thing moved too much. They'll take the plus eight down line, wind up closing seven. This guy thinks he's got the best of it. Hey, I'm on the quote-unquote sharp side, which is the favorite, but it's not the case. There's no such thing as a sharp side. The sharp side has to have a corresponding sharp number. So you can't say in, in that scenario, um, you know, the sharp side is a minus 5, but it's also the plus 8. Uh, you know, it's, it's always a sharp number, not just a sharp side. If you're going to lay the 7 on a line to close the 7, you're going to lose long term. Okay, run for covers at run for covers. Who is the best bookmaker from southern United States and when will they be a guest? Whoa, that's, uh, I don't know if we know each other, run for covers, but um, the best bookmaker um, is from Hot Springs, Arkansas, and he goes by the name of Mr. Green. That's probably the best bookmaker I've ever played to in my life. That's the guy that I think I, yeah, pretty much, I've him or Spiro, but I've lost the most money to him. I could never beat him. He is one of the best of the best um, Arkansas guy, southern guy. We call him Mr. Green 
because um, all he did was just bring in the green. Um, what a gentleman. I just talked to him recently. I'm trying to get him on. I've been trying to get him on for over a year. And uh, I, I don't know, you know, maybe you know him or something, but I called him up and he, I said, you know, I said, hey, Mr. Green, when, you know, I'm, I wanted to invite you on a podcast. It'll be great. You know, we'll, you know, we'll just call you Mr. Green. We're not going to use any real names or nothing. And he said, Spanky, not right now. Um, but uh, ask, me in, ask me in a little bit and I won't say no. And that's exactly how I was his line. So, um, believe me, I want to get Mr. Green on. Mr. Green used to run the infamous Delmar Sportsbook um, for any offshore guys out there. Okay. Mystic Tipsters at Mystic Tipster at Mystic Tipsters. Can you bet on your phone and profit? Uh, yeah, of course. Can you bet on your phone and profit? You can bet anywhere and profit. You know what I mean? Like, well, what do you mean on your phone? I The first, you know, decade of my career, all I did was bet on the phone for the most part. Um, you know, betting, uh, betting on the phone is a dying art because um, not many bookmakers are booking phone bets. But, um, yes, you can bet on the phone and profit. You know, matter of fact, a funny story, I'll never forget it. It's a couple of stories. You know, I remember um, I got this out. Um, where a guy was like in a bodega or some shit, and he had a Caliente machine. Caliente is a Mexican sports book, but they take pretty big, pretty big limits, particularly on the NFL back then, and when and the lines were way off. Um, and uh, the only catch was is that the guy didn't speak English, so I would have to call up and I would have to, and this is before Google Translate, so I'd have to bet that shit in Spanish. But you know what I mean? You just have to learn. You know, uh, uh, Nueva York, gigantes, menos cinco y medio por cuarenta y mil. Or, you know, that's my Telemundo Spanish voice, but, you know, that's the type of shit that I just remembered growing up watching Telemundo. But you just learn, you adapt. So you could always make money in any any situation. Um, you know, if, if, if you could get down enough, um, everything is worth it. You know, Chinese Mike. Uh, you know, we, we would be able to do a lot of these sports books back in the day would have these Chinese or Vietnamese um, call centers. There would just there would be a Chinese line only or a Viet line only. Now, why would we need that? We just could bet online or we could just call the English clerk. Well, guess what? When you call the Chinese line, you're already got the fucking, okay, you're a degenerate already. That's it. So you, you try to bet 10 dimes with the Costa Rican clerk. It's, they're going to call the stage up and everyone's going to start panicking and shit. You try to bet 30 dimes with the Vietnamese clerk, it's going to be like nothing. All right, you got it. Boom, boom, boom. You know, obviously, they're not saying you got it. It's hot on whatever, the way, you know, but I'm just saying. Um, so, yeah, it's, um, you know, you could always make money on the phone if the situation was right. Okay. Don't kill the messenger. Eh, don't kill the mess. Eh, don't kill the messenger. No, no ease. Any progress on this? I think many of us would be interested. And this is talking about, oh yeah, my internal odds program. Yeah, <laughs> I know everybody would be interested. Don't kill the messenger, but you know I'm working on it. Um, I got, I, I'm working on it a little bit, but I got guys working on it too. You know, you got to understand. It's one of those things in which, you know, if I'm going to charge for something, if I'm going to put an odd screen out there, and if I'm going to charge people, 
I gotta make sure number one it's perfect it's error proof the one I have right now that we use in the office internally you know if somebody says hey listen uh, Eagles first half lines are coming in wrong you know okay I'll fix it no big deal but you know there's not really a sense of urgency whereas if people are paying money then I'm gonna have to have an urgent I'm gonna have to have a staff I'm gonna have to have people looking at that so I'm doing it we're chugging away but um you know there's definitely progress but there's no update uh, really I don't know when but if when I when I do release it it'll be the best thing you've ever seen and um, and it ain't gonna be uh, it ain't gonna be uh, cheap either so all right Dan Abrams at dr. Raz W S O P given all the risk-free bets and odds boosts being doled out by all the regulated US books how would you best use them to grow a small bankroll by um, by doing it, I, you know, I don't. Captain Jack made a video on his YouTube channel that talks about how to best utilize all these promos and stuff like that. That's how to do it. And listen, I'm not trying to downplay the promos. There are professional groups out there making seven figures doing that promo shit. Okay, so this is no joke. If you get a team together and you do this thing, they're professionals at this shit. Um, they're really good at it. I'm not one of them. Um, so, but but you can do it. It can be done. The sports books have a lot of money, and they're not afraid to give it out, thinking that they're signing up a sucker. So, the time is now um, to be able to capitalize. That's just not my thing. I'm, I'm, you know, I did a little bonus whoring back in the day, in the early days of the internet. But, you know, thankfully, I'm, you know, I don't need to do that now. Okay, Jim at Jim one six six five one seven three one. He came back. Do any of the big players who bet offshore get discount get discounts for Bitcoin fees? And is Bitcoin the preferred way to deposit withdrawal? Um, I don't know anything about discounts or fees. We don't really post up anywhere, Jim. So these these are post up questions. Every place I play into is on credit, so I, I don't know. Um, I can't answer that. Justice bet at Justice bet. How many non NFL games do you wager on Super Bowl Sunday? Oh, we wagered on pretty much the whole college basketball slate. On Super Bowl Sunday um, you know so uh, and and the lines are a lot softer on that day than other days why because everybody's looking at all the you know the Super Bowl action the prop work and all this stuff so yes um, you know while everybody's betting the Super Bowl um, my staff is betting college basketball and I don't know if people realize it but you know a ticket cashed on college basketball and a ticket cashed on the Super Bowl the money is just as green no matter what you bet. So, um, you know, and you'll probably have, not probably, you will definitely have a bigger edge um, betting a, a college basketball game than you would a, a Super Bowl Sunday line on Super Bowl Sunday. DFS Danny at DFS Danny UU. What resources would you recommend for someone learning how to handicap by hand the old school way? Okay, I don't handicap. And I wouldn't handicap. I wouldn't recommend handicapping. Um, handicapping by hand. You have no shot. You have no shot. If you're going to handicap by hand in 2021 with no experience, I wouldn't do it. I don't think you should do it. I think handicapping at this point is just not the way to go. Um, and again, I, I just want to clarify, because you know, I got a couple of these handicapping questions. I'm not a handicapper. Um, I don't make lines on games. I'm a professional sports better, not a professional handicapper. 
What are the differences? Very big differences. Okay? A professional sports better has money, bets a lot of money, makes a lot of money. Okay? You can't say the same thing about every professional handicapper. Matter of fact, dare I say, most professional handicappers are broke. Okay? Who gives a shit if you could make a line? That's great. But if you can't get down, if you can't bet, who cares? What's the difference? You could be the best football handicapper in the world. Unless, you know, unless you're working for somebody or making money or hired by a specific group, what does it matter? If you can't bet, if you can't, you know, utilize that information um, to your advantage and execute, I should say, that information to your advantage, it means nothing. So again, the biggest thing I think that the, the people need to understand is every professional handicapper needs to obtain the skills of a professional sports better or outsource the skills of a professional sports better. However, the converse is not true. Every professional sports better does not need to have the skills of a professional handicapper. I'm a perfect example. But the skills that I have are very desirable, if not more desirable. Because being able to get down, being able to anticipate line movement, and being able to execute, to be able to make money, um, is what it's all about. Okay. Dave at Dave169. Do you ask for multiple accounts from Betty Partners because you expect to get ripped off on the last one if you're using them sequentially? Or do you see them or do you use them simultaneously? In which case, how do you manage that relationship? Do you employ a full-time relationship manager? Oh shit. I'm trying to understand the question. Do you ask for multiple accounts? I ask for several uh, multiple accounts from Betty Partners to be able to get a diverse line set. If we're going out in a game and we're trying to lay two and a half, the guy gives me one out and that that out has a three, he's not getting the piece. I'm not going to be able to bet that line and that, and that out. But if I have ten outs and four of them have a two and a half and the other six have a three, then four of them will get the minus two and a half. So you're able to have different line sets. You're able to get a sample of pretty much every piece that we're getting and then you'll be able to realize the earn a lot better because it's kind of like a diversified portfolio. You're getting every little bit of the portfolio. Um, so that's, you know, that's why. Now, if somebody gives me multiple accounts, multiple uh, accounts from the same office, yes, we do that as well. And we just make it look, if somebody gives me 10 accounts from the same office, we make it look like 10 different players and none of the bets are repeated. And it just looks like 10 different guys just playing. Um, and everything is just utilizing technology. <coughs> okay. Bill Johnson at Bill Johnson Cubs. The CLV manner, let alone the CLV matter. I know the answer, but please answer this. Yes, CLV is everything. It is the only thing. You beat the closing line, you'll make money in the business. Closing line value. Ben Carey at Ben underscore Carey underscore. Do you think CLV is less important than it was 10 years ago? 20 years ago. Okay. That's a deep question. <sighs> All right, Ben. So, here's the thing. Ten years ago, 20 years ago, there were a lot more bookmakers in the world. And when I say bookmakers, I'm talking about real bookmakers. And the closing line was, indeed, a consensus of all those bookmakers. Um, so, the closing line was a lot harder to manipulate back then. 
Fast forward to today. The closing line is determined by two or three bookmakers. Which means that, because um, everybody else either copies them automatically, blindly copies them via software. Some people will manually copy them just by you know having a guy there um, punching in the numbers as that sportsbook moved, not charting his own work. So um, that being said, the closing line becomes easily a lot more easily manipulated today, which makes it less accurate than the consensus closing line of 10 and 20 years ago. But is it still important? Yes. Um, particularly the higher-end sports where it costs a lot of money to manipulate them, okay? There's a group um, who, you know, you know, just for an example, um, and this is, this is a group from back in the day, you know, you got to understand, let's just say guy, he'll say, okay, he thinks Pinnacle is the best thing in the world. Pinnacle, oh man, if I book the Pinnacle, can never lose. If I book you on the Pinnacle line, um, I'll let you bet whatever you want. Okay, so what do you used to do? used to book the Pinnacle line for, let's say, half a million a game. But Pinnacle would only take 30 dimes a game, 40 dimes a game. So, several things. Somebody could bet the Pinnacle line, move the line accordingly, and he'll say, oh, I'll book the Pinnacle line. So, you just, essentially, you know, you're paying a little bit of juice there, but you're getting a free half point, a free point by manipulating the Pinnacle line. Another thing to do is you bet the Pinnacle line. I'm sorry, you, you bet the guy, the, 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 the half a million with the guy who copies the pinnacle line, and then you bet pinnacle the wrong way. So, what does that mean? Let's just say, on an NBA game, I went over 220 at this guy. Pinnacle had 220. He gave me half a million on the play. I now, like a minute to post, I bet under 220 at pinnacle. The line closes 219. This guy's like, ha ha ha, look at me. I'm the best. This guy, this dummy who bet half a million, bet over 220 on the game, and the line closed to 219. I got the best of the number. This guy's a dummy. Of course, he's going to keep saying he's a dummy until the guy realizes his pockets just keep getting lighter and lighter. Okay? So this is super high-level manipulation, super high-level, beyond the scope of 99.999% of the people listening to this shit. But that's what could happen. Where that was a lot harder to happen, um, back in the day, where the consensus closing line, where there was a lot more real, a lot more more real bookmakers. This, I'm talking over a decade ago, where there was so many more real bookmakers out there, where the closing line, a consensus one, was a lot more accurate. I hope I answered that question and kind of broke some shit down a little bit. Okay, MDC Marty at MDC Marty. Is there any update on the possible release of Spank Best? I guess that's like a Don Best, Spank Best. I just answer that. No update, but you know what I mean? I'll, 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 uh, we're working on it. That's all I could say. We're working. Travis at Travis Mobro. Since you're not a modeler, how do you decide what lines you have the most confidence to bet on? Um, I have the most confidence to bet on the most offline or the line that's going to move the most. That's it. That's my skill. And I'm sticking to it. Cowboy Kid at Marlboro Reds. What is the best container to use for a piss jaw? And when slash how often do you change it or empty it? Any advice for when a coffee starts to kick in and you got to take a deuce? Bigger jaw. All right, wise guy. So, um, I, uh, you know, I, a lot of people love this shit. But, you know, back in the day, I would talk about my work ethic and I would talk about how I would work so hard that 
I wouldn't even break take a piss, and um, and I would have a piss jar. Um, so yes, you know that happened back in the day, and I'm not a, you know I'm not embarrassed to admit it. Um, you know what I mean? That's that. Um, so yes, um, the best container to use is probably going to be you know probably a a, a gallon milk container. Um, you know, so you don't have to empty it right away. If you got to take a deuce, uh, cowboy kid, um, who the fuck deuces in a jar? No, you get a trash can or something, just sit on that shit, and then you could take a deuce there, all right? Gambling cam, at gambling underscore cam. How much more difficult will it be to beat sports betting markets in five years? Ten, twenty. All right, gambling cam. You know, it's funny you say that because a lot of people told me five years ago, ten years ago, twenty years ago. Spanky man, I don't know. Is this is, is it good? Are you gonna be able to beat it in twenty years, ten years, five years? And it's amazing because I I I I'm using the exact same concepts, the exact same principles I used twenty years ago. It's the same shit. The top-down approach is time-proof. It's um, it's I don't have to keep my model intact and worry about someone smarter than me. Um, outwitting me and getting the best of the number or realizing before it's too late that I no longer have an edge. No, I'm always beating the closing line. The closing line, the market always respects to the best of the best. So what does that mean? When you're in a top-down method, you always have the best sports bettors in the world, the best handicappers, I should say, sorry, best handicappers in the world working for you indirectly. They don't know it, but they do. So they're the ones, and if I know who they are, and if I know how the market moves, and I know that they're winning or respect them, then boom, that's it. So it's going to be the same shit. It's all about technology, execution, getting down fast. Um, and listen, I'm still doing very well, and um, until I'm not doing well, I'm going to keep doing it. Me and my staff, we're going to keep rock and roll. Okay, Clive Bixby at Clive Bixby 41. <sighs> Man, this is tough doing this shit for, you know what I mean? I gotta take a breather a little bit. Do you find markets in college sports less efficient first few weeks? And if so, do you throttle down typical bet sizes until this is there is more certainty in the market? Also, how long are you typically comfortable with the efficiency of the closing line? Yeah, markets are definitely less efficient. And um, why would I throttle down? Oh, I guess throttle down does that mean increase? Um, yeah, I, I, you definitely want to increase your bet sizes the, the, the more inefficient the market is. Um, especially the early college basketball, like this time of year, November college basketball, that's the least efficient. Um, you know, once you get the conference play in January, that's when things tighten up a little bit. So, yes, you definitely want to um, increase and bet more when the market's more inefficient. Kelly Cross at Kelly Cross 25. When a line moves against you, do you cut your losses and try to hedge out, or go into the game with a negative EV play? Um. Oh man, you know it depends. Um. I lay seven on a game. Lines painted eight and a half. Major, major injury on the favorite. Quarterbacks out. I got to make a decision. Um. I gotta either take the eight and a half or take the eight. Let's say it's went to eight. I gotta either take the eight, knowing it's gonna go down to six, or let it ride. Obviously, I'm gonna take the eight, knowing it's gonna go down to six, right? So I'm gonna just pile as much on on the plus eight as possible. 
Um, the you know I know my minus seven ain't beating the closing line, so I better get down as much plus eight as possible. I'm not gonna just sit there with my hands underneath my ass waiting for that line to go from eight to six when I'm sitting on minus seven. No, I gotta get off that shit and then some. Not just get off, but pile on. More plus eight. You see what I'm saying, Kelly? Okay, William Minor at We Minor. I'm hitting my limit on how much work I can handle myself for oh, poor Will and potentially ready to train slash add a partner. How do you structure your partnerships from a tax slash legal perspective? Any issues with someone else betting my money? Other potential issues to watch for? Listen, tax legal perspective, you're talking to the wrong guy. I do not have an account. I'm not a CPA and I don't have a law degree. Got to talk to the uh, gambling attorney. Uh, 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 a tax, um, a gambling tax expert, um, and I know very. There's several of them. I, you know, my tax accountant is one of the best in the world. Uh, Marissa Chen, shout out. She wrote the book on tax advice for gamblers on Amazon, um, and that's you know, I, I'm, and she's to, to several major major gamblers. She's the go-to. So um, if you want tax advice, she ain't cheap, but she knows her shit inside out. And that's, you know, that's who you got to go to. You got to get somebody that's an expert on, on gambling tax. That's, you know. The key thing is you know what you know and you know what you don't know. And that I don't know. I refer to the experts. Johnny Elias at Better Underscore Days. Who does Fats hate more, PGF or GRP wins? <laughs> Uh, Fats doesn't hate anybody. Um, you know, Fats is a really nice guy. He just, when he catches a hard on, it's hard to get him off. Um, you know, I don't know. You know, you gotta talk to Fats. I don't think Fats hates anybody. Fats just, if Fats disagrees with somebody, he's gonna do everything in his power to try to, you know, convince you otherwise or, or do whatever. But I don't think Fats has a hating bone. He doesn't hate anybody. He's a really nice guy. Okay. Kobe. At D-Gen Lookalike, why don't you post plays? <laughs> why why would I, Kobe, to show you that I could win uh, betting sports? Like, why would I? I'm not selling anything to you. Uh, do I need Kobe at D-Gen Lookalike to say, Spanky, man, you're really good at what you do? No, I don't need that shit. Plus, by the time I bet my game, if I'm posting that line, and if you could bet that same line, Kobe... I'm not doing it right. So I'm not, you know what I mean? It just doesn't work that way. Anybody that's posting a line that's readily available three minutes, two minutes, even a minute after they post it, that is garbage. That is shit. Okay? Period. End of story. Done. Um, so, but thanks, Kobe. Ace Rothstein Suits. Ace Rothstein Suits at Casino underscore Suits. If the process of closing CLV is giving you negative results over an extended period of time, at what point do you rethink your process? Basically, how much or how long do you have to lose before you say, I'm doing something wrong? Ace Rothstein, if you're beating the closing line um, after, you know, 1,000 plays, 1,500 plays, and you're still losing, I, 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 uh, I don't believe it. Um... By enough to overcome the bookmaker's vig. If you're beating it by enough to overcome the bookmaker's vig, uh, it's hard, man. It's 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 tough to to go through that long of a streak, um, you know. Over the, you know, uh, 
if you're talking about 100 plays, 50 plays, stick it out. Keep doing what you're doing. You're going to make money. But once you get to like 1,200, 1,500 plays um, and you're beating that clothesline consistently, you should turn a profit. Okay, TJ Jerkowitz at TJ underscore jerk. At what unit size money would you recommend Don Best Premium Desktop real-time lines? I'm betting over 100 games a week currently. Betting over 100 games a week. I don't know how much your bet size is, bud. But if you're betting over 100 games um, a week, you're betting 400 games. The Don Best Premium probably costs about a nickel. So it's like a dollar. Um, it's like a dollar. Let's call it a dollar a play, let's just say. If you're doing a dollar a play, you, you know, that's not, if, if, you're, if you're betting 100 bucks, you know, it's like you're laying 112, right? Um, kind of instead of risking 110 <coughs> to win 100, kind of risking 111 to win 99. That's kind of like laying 112. Um, but, you know, so, so, you know, but if you're betting on nickel, you know, it's worth it. You know, I, you got you got to do the math and figure it out. Um, you know, I, I think if you're betting even a couple of hundred bucks with that many plays, I think it's worth it because you'll definitely see, you know, try to find the best line in the world. You'll be able to save uh, money just by saving that half point. Okay. Kelly Cross at Kelly Cross 25. Another Kelly Cross. You always try to beat the closing line because efficient market theory says if you beat the closing line in an efficient market, you're going to make money once variance is ironed out. That's correct. My question is, do you feel like CBB, college basketball, is an efficient market? Guys like Raz get huge CLV, but, but what? It just says but, and there's no continuous. Oh, the, she, she, okay, you posted uh, another. But if it's just one group like Raz getting down on one side of a game, that isn't going to be very heavily bet in the first place, how do you view that type of closing line value? Okay, gotcha. So the question essentially is, is if you're creating your own closing line value, how can you judge that? Um, especially in college basketball. Believe me when I tell you, if somebody like Right Angle Sports, like Raz, who obtains great closing line value, if they weren't successful, if they didn't win, um, trust me, the closing line value would diminish. Um, the fact that they get closing line value is because there is no opposition. There is nobody opposing it. And there are, don't think that they're the only people betting. No, there are a lot of people betting these numbers. Um, and there's a lot of groups looking for it. They're just very good at it. And, um, and you know, their edge would erode and they would not receive the closing line value they would if they started losing so, uh, on, I would always, um, you know, you create your own closing line value, but, again, keep in mind that people say, oh, look, you're the, the reason why you got closing line value is because you bet it. But guess what? There's other people out there. And if you believe in the efficient market hypothesis, then somebody would bet the other side if they thought that the line was efficient to begin with. Um, but And sometimes it does overmove, don't get me wrong. A RAS play goes from 142 college basketball over 142 to 149. It might close 146, okay? So there, there is other groups that are, there's going to be resistance when it overmoves. That's the key thing. Um, so, but, but there always is resistance at a certain point. Um, you just have to know when that point is. And again, try to get the, the peaks and, and, and the valleys and capitalize. 
Okay, Kodak at Kodak Black. If you had fresh accounts, how would you keep them from getting limited as long as possible beyond not abusing promos and props? <coughs> if I had fresh accounts, um, if I had fresh accounts, I'd try to avoid props for the most part. You know, you're going to get thrown out fast. Um, some people might disagree with that, but um, that's just what I think. Um, I would try to make it last long. Um, promos, if I had a fresh, I don't even, I don't even have accounts at all for promos. I don't know if you're talking about post-up, uh, some of these regulated sports books. I guess that's what you mean. You know, yeah, you know, regulated sports books, it's tough. You're on a short leash. Um, the guys that are offering promos, more than likely, you're going to get thrown on no matter what you do eventually. So, might as well just go for the gusto, um, and just try to get it. Um, a credit account, offshore credit account. A little bit of a different story. You could have a longer lifespan there, so maybe treading lightly or mixing it up a little bit um, might be the way to go. I always like to say that putting in NFL work is a great disguise. It's a great ruse. It's a great way to um, to um, you know mix it up and say, hey, listen, the guy's been NFL. How you know how, you know he's uh, he can't have the best of that. So kind of gives the bookmaker a little bit more confidence. Fervent Finance, at Fervent Finance, what percentage, if any, of betting volume is U.S. retail? Oh, U.S. retail, which is like regulated sports books, um, less than, uh, definitely less than 1%. I'm trying to think if it's less than a half a percent. Yeah, easily less than a half. Not maybe, yeah, about less than It's very small. It's very small. Um... Retail at the counter, it's at zero. You know, what I mean, I don't really, I, I don't, you know, sometimes we might, you know, sneak around a little bit here and there, but for the most part, you know, I can't bet in in, in any place. But there's a couple of places um, in New Jersey that still let me bet online that are regulated. Shout out to um, um, Westgate that's letting me FanDuel bet America. Um, you know what I mean? So. Um, uh, win bet also I heard is taking a good pretty good pop from people. There's a couple of New Jersey outs that takes and there's I think I heard there's going to be one or two more even. So there's a couple of uh, of, of offices in Jersey that that'll 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 book a bet and that's what we're looking for. Okay, man, oh man, this is we're rocking and rolling on this. Kelly Cross, how many questions, Kelly Cross? Holy shit. At Kelly Cross 25, but oh no, no, sorry, that wasn't that was the continuation of the last question. My bad. All right, TJ Jerkowitz at TJ underscore Jerk. Another question: What time in the morning Pacific Standard Time should I be waking up daily to put lots of plays in and getting the best lines? Any specific days I should wake up earlier than others? Currently trying to build my role to do this for a living. Thanks, I love the pod. Well, thanks, TJ, for the nice compliment. Um, you know, I would definitely wake up early, 5 a.m. Pacific, um, particularly on Saturday and Sunday. Those are the big game days. Um, sometimes even, you know, uh, no later than 6 a.m. Pacific, that's for sure. Um, and, and be ready to rock and roll. Um, and that's it. I think that's a good time. Um, okay. Oh, yeah, this guy answered the question already. Ed Blust, I'm no spanky, but I sort my day every day at 5 a.m. Pacific. There you go. Okay, next one. Check shoved. At check shoved. I know that guy. 
how do you always get paid first? Uh, how do I always get paid first? Is because I pay first. On Monday morning, whenever I owe somebody, I am the one that's initiating the conversation. I am the one that's reaching out before they reach out. So every time, if you don't, and that's why the courtesy then is extended, it's reciprocated. Um, whenever I owe somebody, on Monday morning, you know, what me and Mike do is we look for, we look at all our negatives, everybody that we owe. We don't look at the positives. We don't worry about the positives. We, we'll get to them. Everybody that's negative, we try to reach out first. Now, ask yourself, anybody listening out there, okay, you or your bookmaker, are you making a phone call first and saying, hey, count, when can I take care of this? As a pro better or any better, uh, or as a bookmaker, when you owe your player, um, are you calling the players on Monday morning and saying, hey, when can I take care of this? See, this is the way to operate. That's how you operate. That, that, that's the right way to do things. When you owe, you want to get rid of that and pay it immediately. And number one, it's the right thing to do. Number two, it shows strength. And there's so many other things. I invite you to listen to my previous episode titled Business is Business on a podcast. And I explain uh, the way I operate and what I feel is the right uh, ways to, uh, to, to run a gambling business, sports betting business. Dinky, my man, Alan, at Dink, Inc. What percentage of people who follow you do you think understand what your operation does and not just think you handicap games and make big bets on them? Uh, I'm not, not many, Dink, because a lot of questions came at me about handicapping. So, yes, um, I don't think that many at all. Um, what percentage of people? I don't know. Five, ten, maybe. Who knows? Um, and I think that's just part of the environment. You know what I mean? Handicapping, people believe that handicapping is the way to make money. It's the standard way to make money uh, uh, betting sports. They think that's what everybody does. you got to talk about the players and the teams and, and this and that. And it's like, you know, and then when I didn't know a name of a player and I don't know what the team, you know, the names of the team, the, the players on the team or the stats or nothing. How, how, what? That's bullshit. How do you not know that? You're a bullshitter. You can't make money doing this. You know, then you just kind of explain the the, the the green lumber uh, fallacy, and then um, you kind of just you know point people to that, and, and they kind of kind of get it a little bit. So, okay, I see a couple of responses to this, but I can't. I, I, I got to go through the next question here, Doctor Dollar. Thank you, Doctor. Okay, <coughs> here we go. Next one. Um, Want to take it out? Guess at how many outs Spanky has. Um, more than anyone thinks, four digits, um, let's ask him, the, no, the number may surprise you. Yeah, we have, um, at the peak, when football starts, we're right now looking at about 3,000 outs, um, when football starts, and it just goes down a little bit from there, um, but we peak out, we peak out around 3,000 outs. Okay, next, um... Richard at RickStab91. Coming up on the hour here. Um, I hope I'm chugging these along. We're not that bad, actually. We're, we're almost done with this thread. I'll do, do the other two threads. So just stick with me. I hope this is uh, helping others. And I um, and, uh, hope you guys are enjoying this. All right, RickStab. Why is everyone fixated with CLV and beating it? Your ROI slash yield far more important. You could have an exceptional CLV and still be losing. That's wrong. I disagree with that. 
Also, I have seen on many occasions, at least wrong long-term, yes, that's true short-term, but definitely not long-term. Also, I have seen on many occasions prices drift in the wrong direction near the off, near the tip-off, I guess, due to square money hitting the market. Um, yeah, you know, I think um, the reason why I'm fixated with CLV is because, let's see here. I kind of, I, I kind of, the way I like to explain this is that you kind of want to, you know, when people say, how do you make money betting sports? How do you make money betting sports? Um, and then the novice will say, easy, you pick winners. Um, and I try to break it more down than that. How do you pick winners? Um, and I say by beating the closing line. Because when you beat the closing line, that directly in long term, and not that, you know, directly translates to having winning plays. Now, how do you beat the closing line? That's another one now, okay? Again, that takes years and years of experience, watching markets move. I already answered a question about spotting fakes, etc., etc., etc. But yes, so if you want to have a goal um, as a novice, better, as an up-and-comer, even as a pro, you beat the closing line, um, you're going to make money doing this. Okay. PZ withdrawn at JPPZ. Is Spanky still pissing in a bottle? No, I'm not, PZ. Thanks so much for asking. Um, next time you're, you know, if, uh, if we're ever together, I, next time I go to the bathroom, if you want to come hold it for me, you're more than welcome. All right, Chuck Frayne at Chuck Frayne. If you don't like a question, will you just not answer and or call the person a troll? Chuck, I answered every question. I answer all questions. And yes, you are a troll, but that's that. All right, let's go to this other thread now. Um, and let's do it. George Riley Pancakeakis, my man. Which sport do you consider the easiest and the toughest to beat the spread? Um, easiest is, for me is college basketball. Toughest is the NFL. Joseph Brennan, I can answer for Spanky. Spanky would say either CBB or baseball is easiest. NFL is hardest. Thank you, Joe. Okay, next, Jay at Rogers for MVP 12 in college hoops or football. If a line moves two plus points, what steps do you take to determine the cause? Like if it's a sharp hitting it or an injury report, etc. Uh, the cause is um is important, but not really. If a line's moving two points let's just say a side is moving two points, I honestly don't give a shit why I bet it. I bet it, if, if a line goes from five to seven, I'm not asking why before, I, instead I'm betting the minus five. I'll try to find that why later, sure, but I want to lay the five first. And then what, what do you, th then you could do some injury, in for, you do some injury research, you'll know what's happening, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but yes, you always want to um, um, act before, you know, it, it's, it's, you got to move. Um, if, if, if you can't question everything, you just gotta, sometimes you gotta just execute. Rogers again with a question. Jay, how do you mentally stay healthy in this business when there are many factors that could go wrong? Uh, I wish I could tell you. Unfortunately, I am mentally fucked up. Nah, I, uh, I'm not, you know, listen, I'm not physically that healthy as, as I want to be, uh, at all. You know what I mean? You sit in a chair for 20 years, it's, it's not good. Um, mentally healthy, you know, no, I, I, you know, I'm, 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 uh, this, this shit takes its toll on you, um, 
when you do this shit for a long time, it's tough. Um, and uh, it's not even so tough the wins and losses. That that I'm kind of over. Um, the hard part is 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 um you know even the lay downs you kind of it's kind of sucks, but you kind of get you know you kind of deal with that. It's uh I don't know. It just it it's it's one of those things, man. It's just hard to describe. It's it's not. It's 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 the cat and mouse, man. That's really the worst. Like it's just like you know, it's like I'm good at something, I know I can make money on it, but I gotta I gotta rely on betting partners, you know. I I personally can't bet in so many different places, you know. It's just it's like damn, you know. What I mean, this is not. I didn't know it was gonna be like this. If I had I known, I wouldn't have done it. You know what I mean? Like I would have stayed working on Wall Street and probably made a zillion more dollars than, than what I'm doing now. But I, um, you know, I didn't know the, the the brick wall that you would hit, the opposition you would hit. So that's the part that really sucks. It's just that, you know, you kind of grow up and kind of learn work ethic. And hey, if you work hard, it will pay off. And sure, listen, that that's definitely happened. But you know what I mean? It just all the shit that's happened to me. And, and listen, I don't want to complain. I don't want to be a, a whiny willy here. But you know, it, it's uh, it, it's 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 tough, man, to be able to work in a business that you have to rely on camouflage and on um and um to be able to, to survive that that sucks you know it's, it's just not cool it's just not you know it's it's not something that you you really um you know sure the the James Bond in me well it was all right this is so cool let's do this dun, 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 you know but then after a little while, man, it's like, what the, I can't deal with this shit, so, that's the tolling part, but, you know, you, you chug on, you just keep it rolling, okay, oh, my man, Harry Crane, Harry D. Crane, what's something that every better needs to know, but doesn't get talked about enough, honestly, what I just talked about, Harry, about how you, if you get good enough, and when winning becomes trivial, Getting down is everything. And nobody on ESPN is going to talk about that shit. Ever. Um, they're not. They're going to tell you what their best bet of the day is. And say, hey, yeah! You know what I mean? You're going to have the girls making the videos. And flashing their tits. And saying, oh yeah, I like this. This is my best bet. And all this other shit. That's all going to be talked about. But what's not going to be talked about. Is when you get good. And when you're a winning sports better. Then what? When the sports book cuts you down to $10.32, then what? When you're not able to enter a sports book and they say, sorry, your, your, un, your, uh, your presence is undesirable, then what? What's next? What, what do you do now? How do you survive? You know, you have the best model. You have the best methodologies. You have the best software. You have the best everything. But it means shit unless you can get down. So I think that is the most important thing that every better has to understand. If you're still able to bet in a lot of sports books and they know it's you, you're probably doing it wrong. Period. Um, if you haven't been limited, you're probably you know, listen, hey, maybe you're you're awesome, maybe you're a winning better and you still haven't been limited, God bless you. Fine. But if you're trying to scale, okay, and when I say scale, I'm talking about making seven figures, eight figures. You know what I mean? If you're trying to scale considerably, um, you're going to hit a brick wall. Okay. Um, Dinky again. 
Has any of the people who worked for you ever robbed you? Yes, unfortunately. Um, I've been robbed several times. Um, it's sad. One of them was by a close friend. Um, which, you know, it is what it is, but that's okay. Um, and then another guy was a former employee. Um, we couldn't agree on the terms of his salary increase, so we decided to part ways. Um, and I let him work out his two weeks, and, um, and he wound up embezzling me. Wound up taking um, some money from a bank account that we had, wrote a fake check, bought gold with it, um, and uh, and I think the amount was in the, let me just try to, I think it was 93000 um, and uh, and that's it, and, and the guy timed it perfectly, he knew how our operation worked, and he uh, wrote a check out, um, bought gold, and he, he cashed a check on the Monday of the All-Star break, so we didn't know about it until the following Thursday or Friday, because that's the time we all take off, um, and by then it was just too late, the, the check was cashed, the gold was delivered, and, um, you know, investigators tried to help and all this, but nothing came to be, and, uh, you know, it is what it is, but it's, you know, it's tough, you know, guys, you can't make an agreement with the kid, so the kid said, you know what, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna earn the way I'm gonna earn, and I'm gonna rob you, and, and that's it, so, you know what, he, he needed the 93,000 more than I did, and, um, I wish no ill will on him, haven't talked to him, obviously, ever since, and, um, God bless him, I hope he's doing okay, and he, uh, Maybe uh, learn how to do the right thing going forward by others. Okay. Brian, thank you, Dink. That was a little bit deep. I, you know, I didn't really like to think about that, but I said I'd answer every question, so that's what I did. Um, okay. Brian Edwards at Upper Lip Mark. If you knew about Donahue, maybe you did, would you use that information to profit or report it to someone that could have stopped it? Um, okay, um, listen, I'm not a, I'm not a whistleblower, that's not my thing, I grew up in Jersey, so we don't, we don't do that shit, um, so I don't report nothing, now, if I, did I know about him, I heard rumblings, I heard rumblings, um, and I caught the tail end of it, um, but I didn't believe it, so, did I make a little peanut on it, I, I did, you know, I'm not gonna lie, but, um, I didn't know who it was, I just, somebody just told me, listen, I think the referees bought out in this game, bet this game, and that's it. And I didn't believe it, and I didn't bet that much. Only bet five thousand. It's embarrassing because um, I thought it was bullshit. I was, you know, I was young and kind of nervous still, and so I didn't make really anything on it. But, um, but yeah, I knew about it, or I heard about it. I just didn't believe it. And, I, and when it came out, I'm like, holy shit! I can't believe that thing was real. I wish I would have bet millions. But anyhow, okay. CD at Unpossible Z. Um, by the way, I don't want to just want to put a disclaimer out there in case anybody's listening. I don't condone fixing games. I don't condone um, anything like that. That's not my, you know, I don't, and I don't get any of these things. This is not me. But listen, if somebody tells you something, you know what I mean. You know, most of the time, 90, it's all, all except for that time. Every time it was bullshit. I can't tell you how many times I've gotten a horse tip. I can't tell you how many times I've gotten a horse tip. Oh, man, this is it, Spank. This is the big one, and I've lost. 
Um, horse tips, I think I'm probably one for 30 in my life, in a lifetime, like seriously. And, and the one was like a, like a four to one shot. It wasn't even that great. So it was like, you know, it, it's amazing. Um, you hear these things. So usually if it's too good to be true, it probably is. Um, and then I realized, I'm like, somebody would call me up and say, listen, I got a horse tip. I, was, I don't want to hear it. Don't even say it. Or I got a game. I got a tip on a game. At this point now, I'm like, I don't want to hear it anymore. God forbid somebody's tapping my phone. They're thinking, oh, look at this shit. He's taking tips on games, on fixed games. I don't need that shit to earn. So please, thanks, but no thanks. I'm not interested. Um, so, you know, don't. there's different ways. You get injury information beforehand. That's one thing and stuff like that. If somebody's throwing a game and shit and you're getting in on that, that ain't cool. That ain't right. That's illegal. And um, you could face, you know, prison time, so. I know it's it's hard, but you you, you got to work hard to earn in this business. So, okay. <coughs> CD at Unpossible Z. Hey Spanky, great show. Thanks, brother. For a fairly new better, what are the places to get reliable data? This includes everything from quality play-by-play data, line movement data. I already answered the line movement one before. Can you recommend any sources that aren't prohibitively expensive for non-established betters? I wish I could tell you, but that's not my thing, bro. Play-by-play data and stuff. Those are the handicappers, the modelers out there. I think you should go up there. I, you know, listen, I wish I could help you, bro, but I can't. Kelly Cross coming back at Kelly Cross 25. Since Beck, Chris, and Bookmaker are two separate companies, which do you feel is sharper for the American markets? Um... I think for the American markets, I would say Bookmaker is probably is is sharper. Um, but Chris is, uh, is more international, so I think that's they're probably more sharper on European markets. Terry Middleton at Terry Middleton 5. With the amount of money being made in the stock market, say the last 10 years, do you think you might have made 10 to 20x? Hedge funds basically do what you have been successful at in sports information technology. Plus, you would have been off weekends. Any regrets? No, I have no regrets, but you're 100% right. And I just said this earlier. I kind of wish I, you know, I didn't know. I just didn't know the brick wall that would face. And but I have no regrets. This is what this is the life I've chosen. This is this is what I did. This is what I know now. Um, if somebody, you know, that's another thing. A lot of people, oh, there's an opportunity here with this. I hear all this shit. Oh, do the NFT thing and come into this and come into that. And like, I think people don't understand everything. You know, sure you want to make money. But once you have enough, um, it's not like a, you know, it's not like, you know, oh, I got to make more. I got to make more. Nah. Sure, it's nice. But if I'm not into something or if I'm not going to be actively into it, and some people are, God bless them, anybody that's into other investment opportunities, whatever. I'm more traditionalist guy, and it's okay. I'm not going to have, a lot of these NFT guys have probably made more in the last year than I will ever make in my entire life. God bless them. Congratulations. Do your thing. Knock them dead. Uh, this is not a competition with anybody. Um, I have enough money to be able to support my family. And this is the thing, you know, I mean, you gotta, you know, um, you gotta want what you have, not kind of, uh, um, you know, have what, uh, uh, want what you have, not want what you don't have kind of thing, um, or getting what you want. You know, I, I'm trying to think of the line. Uh, you don't want to, you don't want to, uh, you want to um, want what you already have, not uh, not get what you don't have, or, or something like that. You know, see what. Uh, so I hope you got my point. But you know, that's the thing. I, you know, I'm happy. I'm 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 comfortable, and that's it. You know, what I mean, am I the richest sports better than? Absolutely not. Um, you know, 
uh, and it's not about that. I'm, 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 you know, I'm just trying to support my family, have my guys support their families, and that's it. Just move along. Okay, sports projections at sports underscore pre R O J. How do you handle taxes between you and Betty Partners? Again, um, my account, you know, isn't that a line of rap song? My account handles that. Um, and that's that. Okay, blue, amazing. Uh, can you get more detailed about betting partnerships? Give more some examples of deal structure. Discuss how tax you handle for the partner. So, betting partnerships, you you know, the way it works is you get accounts from a sports book. We become 50-50 partners of the good and the bad. Let's just say one week one we make 10000 You collect, you get, you give me five, you keep five. Now, at the end of the year when you pay your taxes, you know, you're responsible for telling the government how much you earned. Just like I'm responsible. So whatever I earned on our partnership, I will pay the government. You pay the, you know, you, you and, and you pay um, what you uh, on the percentage on you earned, and that's it. It's pretty simple. Um, you know, again, most of the, the partnerships I have are are with um, offshore credit books. They're usually not with regulated books. John Days can better stay profit long term without a math model. Yes, I do. John Edwards at Johnny Ball Game 8. If someone is a value slash volume better, making a couple of thousand plays per year in an attempt to hit 54 to 56%, is it most wise to make every play for any given day 1% of morning bankroll? Oof. Man. These are, these are, these are really deep questions, man. I, um, bankroll management is very, very key. And... I uh, I built my bankroll by middling and scalping, so I didn't really have any downside. Um, and now I'm at a point in which, you know, knock on wood, that um, you know, be- over betting my bankroll just can't happen. So I um, I can't answer that, man. I know there's plus EV analytics, um, also uh, um, one two um, expert. I think his name is. I'm trying to remember these guys. These guys are like Joseph. Uh, Buck Dow, these guys wrote articles for Pinnacle, and, and th- these are these are the things I would recommend on, on bankroll management and stuff like that. Um, I think that they would uh, you would be more suited to um, to um, to bet them. Okay, I just lost my place. This is just I was just looking up the guy's name, and uh, and now I don't know where, where I went. Okay, uh, let's see here. Not today, and I figured I'd try. How much of your earn do you put away during the year for tax purposes? Um, I do whatever my earn is. I pay whatever uh, the the you know my accountant tells me I owe. I tell her the profit and loss, and that's what I pay. So it's whatever percentage it is. Okay, um, let's see here. All right, just a couple of more here, and we'll be done. Oh, it's my girl, Liz. Is the round closed? Room for one more question? Of course, Liz, for you, there's room for any questions. What's your strategy to keep yourself up to date and how to avoid platius, plateauing? Also, what's your favorite chocolate? Ha, <laughs> that's a funny question. That's an inside question. Uh, the favorite chocolate, you know, that, that's an inside joke. That's great, Liz. 
Yeah, favorite chocolate, of course, is Godiva, particularly the truffles. Um, but um, how, what's your strategy to keep yourself up to date and how to avoid plateauing? You know, it's tough. You got to adapt. I think a big thing was doing a social media presence that um, I never had several years ago. So I think coming on social media, trying to expand the business a little bit, getting a lot of outs, meeting a lot of key betting partners, um, is, is a very, it was a great part of, of expanding my business. So, you know, again, I was never, um, you know, well, I was never a, a public persona type thing. But I had to adapt, and I became one a little bit, you know, semi, listen, I'm not, I'm still not a public persona by, by any means, really, but I guess in a sports gambling world, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of more known than I was at one point, although, you know, for the insiders, you know, most of the people that were the who's who in the business pretty much already knew me, but I guess for, like, the generic public, um, so that's what kind of did, I kind of, you know, got a little bit more of a, a, a social media presence, but thanks for the question, Liz. And Godiva chocolates next time, you know it. Brooklyn boy at Magic seven eleven four forty. If a game opens minus three and you lay it, and it ticks to minus four, will you take back the four, or do you ever sit there with an uncovered bet? You know, again, why would you take back the four if the line's gonna close four? Um, you know, uh, and it depends on the sport too. You know what I mean? It's um, it's uh. It's very different laying in three on college basketball versus laying three on a football game. Phantom Punter at Phantom Punter. What's your favorite cheese? Holy shit, man. The questions come out of nowhere with this thing. Be better betters. Uh, my favorite cheese, I like an extra sharp cheddar. Um, there's just one my supermarket carries. It's like, uh, it's like this, um... Yellow cheddar extra sharp. It's got a British flag on it. It's a W. I forget, but that's really good. I also like gorgonzola cheese. I like that stinky cheese too. I'm not gonna lie. Um, blue cheese. I also like uh, Maytag. I like Rockford cheese. Um, you know, I like all cheeses, man. So you know, I'm a, I'm a cheesy kind of guy. All right, George F. Oh, a bunch of numbers. I have a hard time wrapping my head around your software that bets for you. This software logs you into all the accounts, goes through their tabs, and finds the best the bet you like at the number you like and bets it. Can you explain the process of creating that? It's so interesting. Yes, George, that's exactly what it does. Um, the process in creating that is pretty much, um, you know, whenever you go on a web page, um, all that communication between the browser and the end user happens with cookies and requests and responses and you go back and forth and you're able to have libraries in pretty much every language that is able to simulate that and um, or emulate that and when you emulate it you're able then to you know be like the end user and then the browser will return it but instead of the browser capturing it you can capture that code i learned part of this in um in my my uh when i was in college the class was called internet technologies at rutgers and we had to download uh, an html page and interact with it and you know download this html source and kind of parse it and all this stuff so it's literally what i learned in college it's pretty crazy um but, yeah, and, and, and that's what we use to kind of, uh, you know, interact and, and auto-bet for us. 
Alright, looks like the last question from JBob at JBob Inc. Do you ever live bet? Oh man, you know, not really. That's not our thing. Live betting came around um, a little bit after us. It blew up a little bit after when, when, I, when I first started uh, coming up with a business. And, you know, I know there's a lot of money to be made live betting. I know there's people that exclusively live bet um, and that, ma that make a killing. I'm not one of them. Um, again, I know what I know. I know what I don't know, and live betting is not my forte. Um, um, could that change one day? Anything could change. Never say never, right? Guys, thanks so much for the questions. I think I've uh, answered everybody's question. A couple of crazy ones, a couple of piss jar questions. You knew that shit was coming. A little bit of cheesy, a little chocolate, some uh, some other questions, whatever it was. Um, I'll try to do this once a year, because this shit's, um, it's, it's good, but, you know, a lot of the questions, I think I've answered a lot of these other questions on my previous podcasts, I've had, um, you know, question and answer podcasts before, so, um, I hope you guys listen to those in case your question, you didn't get a chance to get a question in, most likely somebody already asked that question, um, before, and, um, wish everybody out there a happy Thanksgiving, and, um, and good luck uh, for the rest of this uh, NFL season, college football season, and welcome in the college basketball season. I wish everybody um, success, and thank you so much for the time. Until next time.